<laughs> I had a I really like hard time get, fitting in with my family. I feel, like, I feel like you get sarcasm. Maybe not, though. I, I'm evolving. Yeah, because of my wife's family doesn't actually say anything they intend. Yeah. It's all sarcasm. And it took a, it took a while to say things. I'd be like, what? It's horrible. Or why would you say that to someone? Oh, yeah. It's so caustic. So before before we really get started, um, I just wanted to let you know kind of how our podcast, like what the idea of our podcast Let's is. Let's do it. Searchable as reptiles. It started because he was trying to come up with a name for it. He's like, and he was saying, well, I want it to be at least, you know, even if we're not going to necessarily talk about reptiles and all this thing, like he, that's what brought us together at least. And I want it to be at least like searchable as reptiles. <laughs> and it's like, that's it. He's like, what's it? I was like, that's the name of the podcast. And he's like, what? No, it isn't. What? No, it doesn't make any s- What? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I pushed really hard for it. But the idea is we know each other because of reptiles. Absolutely. And, and the whole thing, the whole reason to do the podcast is to kind of get to know each other better mm-hmm. just by talking to each other about whatever happens Off to come Because yeah, we both do reptiles professionally. What? Yeah. yeah. When did you start that? Amazing, right? Um, yeah, a couple yeah. years ago. You didn't know that. I just, yeah, I thought oh. you guys kind of dabbled in yeah. oh, no. reptiles. So you're no. kind of like... Are you being serious? I, I'm no, see? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't get it. <laughs> I told you, Peruvian. Right well, well, having guests on Wait. is a new thing for us. I, <laughs> I just wanted to say, well, I'm excited to have you as a guest because I, I watched your videos first. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I, I saw those videos first and I was like, and the, as I told you when I actually met you in person, I was like, I was wondering when I was watching, like, is this guy real? Like, is this, this is <laughs> just like, yeah, that like this, is, this guy can't be like for real like this. And then I met you at Tinley and we're hanging out and I was like, okay. You are actually like this in real life. Yeah, it takes about 20 seconds to be like, wow, yeah, that's him. <laughs> that's genuine. But then, I, but then, you know, we only get to hang out for a little bit. You know, Tenley's busy. It's a busy show. And uh, then we were coming here when Dave was inviting me here. I still didn't know. And Dave was worried that I was going to offend you. He told oh, me that I'm he constantly was wor- offended by <laughs> So he was worried, and I was like, well, I don't know. I, I was like, oh. so I, I didn't know. But now that we've got to hang out for this past week, it's like, like you're super freaking laid back and chill and cool. Like there's all the jokes that apply. It's so oh man, guys, Clint is on point, dude. Dude, I've laughed. I've I've fallen into the. I don't know how well, you come up with this stuff. Practice. You're quick. I, don't, I, I had a, I had a time in high school. Not that quick, but when I was in high school, there was a time where like a few times where somebody'd say something, they'd set me up perfectly, and I'd like stumble over my words, or. You just, or it would come to you later and you're like, oh, that's what I should have said, <laughs> you know? And so, so I did put some work into like, make sure you calm down and enunciate a little bit so you don't mess up this line. Cause you can't you know, circle back around and nail it the next time <laughs> to I, one and done. I could see that. I, I, I was actually going to say, you're like the master of the awkward silence. Like, <laughs> as soon as the conversation has a lull, he pops up like a little turkey from behind a log and like. And just yeah. drops something on you, and then everyone pees their pants. And then he kind of goes like this and walks away. It's funny. I, you know, I, I like, I like humor a lot. And I sit down. I try to write funny things. Can't do it. Right? Like it's. Just, I write like technical writing. I'm like, this sucks. Like it just has to just come out. It's not a lot of time to screen it. That would be a really cool <laughs> premise for like a, a stage comedian. You, you're like, okay. I can't be funny unless you guys are talking. So start talking yeah, at yeah, me yeah. and then just drop them. <laughs> Absolute audience I'm a response comedian, yes. so <laughs> if you could start talking about whatever, I'll chime in periodically. I don't want to be the center of this. That's exactly. So we, there's a microphone under your seat. <laughs> well, you, and I, Everybody pick them up. I'm never, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a center of the party sort of a person. I am a sit on the side and make little 
Yeah, little, little like comments a, here and there, like the turkey popping up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's what anyway. I do. I, I was at a party one time that was horrible, and some people were like, "Go, go be the center of the party." I'm like, "That's not what I do. I don't do, I don't do that." Like, you look like you'd be good at break dancing. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, I, I'm working on my break dancing. Yeah, and killer. Yeah, good. Killer. I believe it. My I head spin. <laughs> yeah. Did you record the, the my little dance moves before the? The, uh, I, I don't know. I don't even know for recording now. Uh, <laughs> Wait, are you being sarcastic? I mean, I don't know. Let me look at the camera real quick. <laughs> I just wanted to get us warmed up. Oh, man. All right, yeah, the camera's on. Oh, not, good. Okay. not that it matters. It's mostly supposed to be a podcast. We This is actually only our third episode that we're actually recording video. People wanted to see what was happening. It so, is also, you're a third guest ever. No big yeah. deal? Oh, yeah. yeah. I just told him that. Oh. It's kind of a big deal, though. I wasn't Well, he said Well, he said... Third video guest, and he kind of made it sound like third guest. No, yeah, straight stop. up third, so yeah. third guest. Full stop. See, I'm getting more information each time I hear from one of you. Full stop. Well, people really. And my stories to... get better every time I tell them. That's too. That's true. Yeah. It has a term. Sometimes we're doing <laughs> stuff, and, and people are like trying to figure out what's going on, or like because it, it, if it's just audio, obviously you can't know what's happening visually. So that was the big reason. There were some things that happened in, in a certain podcast. Oh, he shaved his arms. I did. In the, on the podcast. On the, for the podcast, I had to it shave shows. my arms. Yeah. Well, for the back now. For the idea arms. was that his, he's, you see our arms are, you know. I had a theory. It looks like I have none, even though you, this light, yeah. you can actually kind of see it. But the idea was the snakes would be poking their faces when they're crawling up his arms would be uncomfortable. They'd, they'd be like, oh, So oh, he oh, shaved oh, and for jumped. the snakes. Of course. So, to have yeah, well, you know, I, I assumed like, obviously, it's not manly to shave your uh, body hair, except for all of our listeners who uh, called me when I suggested the idea and said that they've been doing it for years. I'm sure you guys are very manly. It's for Other the snakes, than that, for them too, maybe. Um, I'm not sure if that was the case. There was so, one guy who noticed the difference, though. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if professional athletes can do it. Yeah, if professionally athletes can shave to be like, you know, more hydrodynamic or runners think they're a little faster that way or, you know, in football, you know, at least you're not ripping your leg hair off when you take the socks, the tape off your socks. But uh, I figured I could, as a professional snake breeder, I, if I had an excuse to shave my arms, it would work. And, mm-hmm. and it did. And it, yeah, it made a big difference. But uh, my wife stopped touching me. So I grew that back out. Now, she stopped touching you only while it was fully shaved or was it when you were prickly? No, she didn't like any of it. Yeah, she she's like, not, I'm not touching. Did you not like the at yeah. all. She just she, and, and cut you I, off. And then I called the guys who told me I should shave, and I was like, How long does it take to grow back? And they're like, Oh, like maybe three months. And I was like, Oh, awesome. It's <laughs> gonna be some sweet, intimate time with my snakes for the next three months because my <laughs> wife's not gonna touch me. So I don't know if it was an equal trade off, but yeah, it was an interesting. So did she hold out for the full three months? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> We're not back yet, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's still only at 75% yeah. length. Yeah. Dude, so you are contemplating, or have you actually made the decision to make the YouTube channel your thing, your full-time it's, thing? It's not my, so I, I, I don't want to sever my ties with academia. I like teaching in the classroom. Um, but I also recognize if I have a full-time position there, like it's really di- it, uh, all all along to this point, I've pretty much done clinch reptiles on the side, and I, I don't want it to be on the side. Like I really, I really, really enjoy it, and I feel like there's an opportunity to teach and just interact with a, so many more people than I ever would have imagined. Uh, you know, one of the things that really stands out to me not only d- is it clear that we've changed people's perspectives on reptiles, but there are a lot of people. It's uncanny how many comments there are about people who talk about how they were dealing with serious depression 
and that our channel really helps them through it. Um, you know, that, that just the positivity and I think you and, and I have gotten the same kind of comments. Oh, and I can totally see that from yeah. both of you guys, you know, and it's like, I really, really believe strongly in what we're doing. And so it's, it's been a sacrifice to, to go this route. But like, I, I feel like, I feel like there are a lot of people who, like I went to school for a long time and a lot of people that go to school for this kind of time, like they, I think they think very narrowly about what they can do with their education, that they're going to, you know, sort of pursue the sorts of careers that were there a generation ago, because that's what you do with that education. And it's like, there's so much more that, that you could do that just wasn't there before. And, you know, I, I don't think I could have, I, I don't think I could have known that this was possible if we weren't already so far down this path. And I see like what is, what is really possible and, mm. and how many lives you can touch and how much good information you can share. And, and I'm excited about that. And so it's like, if there's a way I, you know, the, the scary thing is I see really clearly how this works for the next five years. And I'm sort of just going on faith that it keeps going after that in some way that I probably can't even imagine right now what that would be. I think as long as you keep yourself open to the opportunity like you are now, those things will open up for you, especially the outreach that your channel has started to have. Those those opportunities are just going to keep opening up. And this is the thing that also pleasantly surprised me about you is that I do know what you're talking about. When people get so focused on academia, they can get that kind of tunnel vision and get kind of more narrow-minded about things. You are one of the more open-minded individuals I've ever met. So to have that background in academia where you do have that brain smart, you you got that school smart like information. That's one of the huge benefits of your channels. The information you bring out is so very well delivered from a very educated place. But yet you still do have that open-mindedness to the whole world and universe and all the other possibilities out there which that's why I'm super excited about you and what you're bringing to this world. Honestly, that's how I feel about well, it. It's a, it's a good thing. Thank you very much. It's, it's surprising to me, especially people that get a lot of education. Like the main thing my education has taught me is that I know very little about almost everything. Uh, you know, like, yeah, the more, I think the more you do know, like for, if your your you know, volume of knowledge increases this much, your your view of the universe increases ten times more. So you're you're endlessly kept trying to catch up with something yeah. that's faster than you. It seems. And it, it I I don't under because um, it has been my experience that a lot of people in academia are extremely arrogant, and I don't know how you end up that way because like, you know, with almost anything like I'm open to the strong possibility that there are important things about about any topic that I don't know yet, and that could very much change my perception of that topic if I knew them you know even even the things that I am most expert about there's somebody who knows a lot of stuff that I don't know about it well I can see how it happens it it sometimes if you know something more than somebody else that can be a way to see yourself as better than somebody else if you know something they don't there are people that maybe it, it takes form in that sort of personality where like oh I, I know more than no oh, you don't know what you're talking about like I've studied this I know what I'm talking about you don't and mm-hmm. so it can be a way to just kind of put yourself above others. It can definitely super become lame, that. Super lame. I strive to be the opposite of that. Uneducated, ignorant, and yet arrogant as hell. <laughs> That's my MO. <laughs> yeah, I go the other way. Yeah. I don't want to fall into that trap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so usually when we kick these things off, we have a little segment called Diving Deep into the Shallow End. 
you know, and we, we explore such unanswered questions that civilization may have had for millennia. Things like when you drop the toast, why does it always land butter side down? Or what was our one last night? That if, was the one I was thinking of. If, uh, if a reptile could talk, what, you know, if your reptiles could talk, what's the weirdest story they could tell us about I you? I had a dream you know, as a like kid that. that that could happen. I woke up so disappointed Ooh. that they couldn't talk. Oh, my. Yeah, I think after <laughs> the last podcast with uh, Dave Kaufman, we're all kind of glad that they can't, especially Brian's. What, what was it? A, a king snake that lived in your it, room it from 7 a, to 21? 7 to 23, and it yeah. was a rosy rat snake. And oh, yeah, saw right. lots of stuff. There you go. Yeah. So. So, um, I don't know but what because that time. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing formative, oh, surely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because you're so quick on your feet, I thought I'd put you on the spot and make you ask us the question. Dive deep in the shallow end. I just introduced the topic to you. Hit me. Oh, wow. Wow. You're really putting them on the spot there. I did. You? Did you like the little video where I came in? I said, hey guys, so we're here at Clint's Reptiles. And I pointed the camera at him. I said, go. <laughs> 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 it was about half a second. He looked like a deer in the headlights. Okay. As much as I would hate to be in your position, I do have it was faith fun. that it was you fun. are capable. Well, I've, I've got, I've got, I've got two quick questions. Okay. Oh, he's they're both, two. they're both, they're both related to movies. Okay. Yeah, that's movie, good. Movies oh, are okay. important. But, um, what is the second best Star Wars movie and why? The second, second best? best. I don't. Second best? Can we? Can we go with? Oh my. And and I'm I'm going to say this. I mean, you, you can qualify this in a couple of different ways. One of them is potentially it could be the second best for its time, and then it could also be the second best just period. You know. Okay, I'll, I'll shoot. Episode four is the second best. Okay. That's what I was going to say. I'm yeah, curious to say that's why. Okay. I, I mean, I mean, I'm excited that you guys have. Uh, I think that the entire this. Star Wars trilogy hinges on episodes four and five. Everything else has been like. We like this. We'd like to see more. And they've been attempting to give you more. Honestly, I think the best attempt at kind of like original Star Wars feel has been The man, the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. which is not even a movie. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. I saw a little clip of it, but no, I haven't seen it. Yeah. And, and it was it was a lot slower paced than a lot of the other Star Wars things. But episode five is the best because I like a movie where all bad things happen to good people. Yep. I don't know why. And everything just continually falls apart. And then it ends. And you're like... What? That's not how movies go. Or realistic. I think that it's I think that episode two. five the whole is thing that is way. Act two and is the best. That is just something that goes without saying. Everyone like everybody knows, knows that. That is yeah. a fact. That's not an opinion. And, <laughs> yeah. And so the the first. Well, okay. So easy. So then episode four would be the second best, and it was good enough to get everyone in there for the best one. And then we've been watching it for decades ever since, hoping that something would be close to one of those two. That was, that was pretty well formulated. Yeah, See? I'm not even going to try to formulate anything like that because honestly, I just went with my gut and said episode four and I was just surprised. I was like, oh yeah, I guess I was right because that's what my gut said. <laughs> and I, I've, in complete honesty, a lot of Star Wars movies have melded together into one in my mind, which is what happens with a lot of things. What do you, what do you but, think about it? Oh, I, well, I think you made a really strong case, and so it's persuasive. I, I'm gonna, I'm but. gonna. Well, I, I'm, I'm merely gonna step <laughs> back to what I would have said before I heard that. Okay. Um, because, because I, I think, I think that was pretty solid, and, and honestly, as a kid growing up, loving four, five, and six, five was the best because that's a fact, and then six was my next favorite. Four was my least favorite of the three. As a child. As a child. Interesting. But having watched it. More recently, four is excellent. Mm-hmm. 
except for how mad it makes me because it's the one really that lays out the most about Anakin and, you know, all that backstory. It like, it like sets up that backstory and it's just like the people that made one, two and three didn't even watch episode four before they made it. Like, they're just like, I didn't even know there was a four, five and six. Are you serious? Mm. We were just, Oh gosh. Uh, they just threw some names at us. Like, make sure there's a guy called Obi-Wan Kenobi. Make sure that there's uh, an Anakin Skywalker who becomes a guy named Darth Vader. But we don't understand it, so we'll just explain it. Yeah, explain that away as fast as you can. Make sure you have that. (laughs) And then make sure you include two droids that hang out with this Obi-Wan Kenobi guy all the time. Because in episode four, he's going to say he never remembers owning a droid, and neither the droids are going to be like, um... Dude, we were with you for like 25 <laughs> years. What are you talking about? So, uh, just memory wipe. It's it just, yeah, it just it filled me I with rage. I forgot about that part. Yeah, that's pretty funny. It fills me with rage. Um, but but so so my my f- second favorite one, and this is an unpopular opinion, is Rogue One. It's awesome, uh, you know. And this is again taking it out of its time because for their time, four, five, and six are just. They're, they're so incredible compared to like anything else that was being made, whereas Rogue One is right in line with other sci-fi movies as far as just the graphics and all that stuff. But That's it, not what Star Wars is about, though. Everyone thinks it's about all that stuff. Yeah, but no, it, but it's it was, about characters. It, it's, about, it's about characters for sure, and that, that's one of the things that Rogue One had. The characters were great. Yeah, I agree. Lots of losing. Mm-hmm. From the good guys, like the yeah. good guys, they kind of won the war, but they lost all the battles, and you lost everybody. Yeah, it's gr- like they sacrificed everything to win that war, and it gives a grittiness to the rebellion, really like we'd never seen before. What I like is that they they took this one concept that there's this little hologram message, mm-hmm. and they made a whole movie about all the people who died to get it there. So that's the great thing is like episodes one, two, and three took away from everything else in Star Wars, like you said. But Rogue One added a tremendous amount of weight to something that was already weighty in in the original movies. That is so well put because, you know, one, two, and three very much stripped away a lot of the weight from yeah. four, five, and six, they Absolutely. took away from that. You ha- you appreciate four, five, and six more if you pretend like one, two, and three didn't happen. Right. But you're you're absolutely right. Rogue One makes you appreciate heaps on heaps on. Yeah, and that's what we want. Absolute like tension until somebody's hand gets cut off. That's, yes. Yeah. I'm not sure if this was getting deep in the shallow end or shallow in the deep end. I'm not sure because Star Wars <laughs> Star Wars to me has always had a deep kind of undertone, same with like Lord of the Rings, like this battle against. Between good and evil, it's, it's such a deep, deep oh, subject. I can mean. I can I tell you some thoughts I have about the force? Yeah, please. This is this is just I, I growing up I played baseball and I was a pitcher, and one one of the experiences I had was that if I threw my hardest, I could throw really hard. The most power I could throw with, but I had very little control. If I wanted control, I needed to bring back. The, how much power I had, and then I then I had a lot of control. And the light side is basically all about maximum control, control over all your emotions, control over everything. But it doesn't have the power that the dark side has. And the dark side is just give into all of your emotions, no control, just let out whatever you're feeling, you know. And you're going to unleash this incredible power that 
you might not have much control over. And uh, anyway, that makes the dark side sound kind of sexy. But oh, you know, there's actually well, a you principle behind this, and it, the baseball example is perfect. It's called the eighty-five percent rule. Are you guys familiar with it? I've heard of it before, but please lay it out for me. Well, basically, they say if you want, if you go to like a, a top performing athlete, and you say, let's say they're running mm. the forty yard. You know what I mean? Dash. And, and you say, listen, I want you to run this fast, but not your fastest. I want you to run at 85%. Uh, top performing athletes will actually outperform if you say, I want you to give me 110%. If you ask for 85%, they'll do better because there's, there's, uh, there's not a pressure. Mm-hmm. But you're still asking for just about everything you've got, but you take a little bit of pressure off and they just, do what they were made to do and then they do it really well you know and it's kind of cool like it because you I think as an athlete you train and you train and you compete and there's pressure all the time but once you have perfected your technique and your your body is trained your mind is trained you get that second nature flow going on and you just let go and you give into it you know that's that's performance you know, and that's that's what it's about. It's about it, it's not about controlling the storm. It's about kind of like the calm inside the storm, letting it happen and still being cool with it. It's interesting because it does kind of contrast the idea of, of of letting go. You know, the dark side being letting go and letting go of all your emotions, just letting it all happen you know, instead of having control, which I can definitely relate to with music wise. Like anytime we were playing a show and I was trying to trying to play the beat and trying to keep it going oftentimes thinking about it and like okay, I got to hit this like I'd start messing up and yeah. it would just happen and the times when I played the best were when I let go and just let it happen and just just like fell into it and just didn't think at all and just let it let it flow and it's also making me think that maybe that's why music got a bad rap as far as being like something that led people to the dark side or was evil because you, the, you just let go if you really get into the flow of it and I don't know, I'm kind of speculating on that, but because there was definitely that stigma a long time for rock music especially. Even back when 4-4 four, four music first started coming out of the scene, 3-4 you know, waltzes were, were the thing, and 4-4 four, four was Satan, music <laughs> of Satan. <laughs> it was at the time. Yeah. yeah. So let me bring this back around to reptiles. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> no, 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 I have it. Okay, so I think this is always about so reptiles, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Searchable well, as. You got Bosque. Yeah. Kind of a reptile guy. Carry on. Yeah. Well, no. So one comment you'd made earlier in the day was that, uh, you know, you had me, Brian, Dave Kaufman, Joey Muggleston sitting in the room here with you. And you said, this is four more people than I knew in the reptile industry 10 years ago. And I grew up that way. I think you grew up that way, too. Very much so. So you, you have this innate love of weird reptiles and animals and things like that. Nobody around you really understands it. So the interesting is you, you're growing up with you know, whatever your different background is, if it's Cusco with music or you with baseball or me, like with horses um, and stuff like that, you, you grow up and movies. And I, I think I told you my dad is an animator. Mm-hmm. So you would be super jealous if I told you, like, we used to go to Mark Hamill's Super Bowl parties growing up and stuff like that. Yeah, so. <laughs> that is so rad. Yeah. Because he I, was the Joker. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Clint, Clint Rockslider Laidlaw, everybody. <laughs> um, 
But uh, no, so you're, you're talking about giving in and control and all this kind of stuff. And one of the things that we used to do with horses, so I, I had to become anybody that has horses or, or really spends time with them, grows up with them. You have to become like an animal behavioral specialist mm-hmm. or you die, Yeah, you know, because they're just big, dumb sacks of meat with four hard ends and a bitey one. Right. Mm-hmm. And especially if you do like what we used to do, or I don't know, are you familiar with Mustang competitions? Um, familiar with Mustangs. What makes a Mustang competition? Well, so so Mustang competition is all about horsemanship, right? It's like how connected you are with your animal. Is this when you get a Mustang? Yeah, you go catch you, a you wild horse okay. that's never seen a human, and you have three months basically to train it, and then you compete against other people who did the same, and we see who has the greatest bond with this large, dangerous wild animal. I did this once. Did you? Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. You got, got a Mustang randomly, and trained it? and I didn't even train it. I just jumped on it and rode it. Oh. I'm not even joking. That's okay. That That's 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 more cowboy than horseman, I think. Oh, yeah. No, I have no training. Y- yeah, no. So I, neither of you were trained? No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no. But that's an amazing experience. Yeah, that's kind of me, like me with that crocodile in that pit. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Let me touch him. Ah, he's trying it, to eat it me. saved my life. I was trying to see where you were going because you started with... Uh, not knowing anybody in the reptile industry until, you know, having all of us in, in yeah, the So room. we all have our different backgrounds, and then we bring whatever our background information is into the way that we deal with reptiles. So my favorite thing about reptiles is taking an animal, like my best moments, and I've shared some of my best reptile moments with you recently, uh, Cusco, but um, my best moments with reptiles is when I, when I could have kind of a connection with them. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I realized, and, and this is why my preference in life has always been large or dangerous reptiles, like venomous stuff and crocodilians have always been my favorite. They're just not practical to like keep, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but, but you, I love the fact when I can sit down and have a connection with an animal and form a, a bond of trust with an animal that most people don't even look at long enough to, to understand what it is. Yeah. And I'm sitting there having like, you know, a emotional or spiritual connection with the thing, you know. And so that is why I started free handling rattlesnakes when I was 13. And uh, to do it, you know, you're talking about sport. This, by the way, guys, th- that was really stupid. I was a dumb 13-year-old. And you don't want to do the things I did to my young body. but um, Or ride horses. Yeah, yeah. So, but... Um, no, you know, what I used to do, one of my favorite things to do was to go get the orneriest snakes, which we got to do at TSK earlier today. I was like, give me your big, mean bulls. Yeah, and Check and, out his nose. Yeah. And well, what happened to your arm here? I, I don't know. I saw that one. I, I, something scratched me, but I don't know what. That must have been a tegu. I don't know what it is. I have no clue. Anyway, um, I'm, all I know is I'm suing Clint's reptile room for this one. Makes sense. <laughs> I, well, I know Clint is willing to do dangerous stuff for reptiles. I mean, he almost died on a cliff. That's yeah. true. <laughs> in a there search was, of reptiles. There was, there was no reptiles involved in that entire herping the, the, trip. The idea, there was the idea of reptiles was there. The, the idea was certainly there. Yeah. And the pursuit. Yeah. yeah. But, but my theory as a young kid was just because a snake had venom didn't mean it wanted to use it on you. Mm-hmm. And so I could take a snake like a carpet python that would bite anybody else and I'd hold it for a long time and not get bit. So I'd practice on non-venomous animals and really paying attention to them and, and trying to calm them in my presence like I would a wild horse or anything else. You know, they're, they're fearful of you, so they're 110% attention on you. Mm-hmm. And so you actually have a pretty unique opportunity in that moment to try to communicate cross-species to an animal and understand them where they're coming from 
from and and get them to understand where you where you're coming from. So you know, free handling the venomous rattlesnakes was just what we had when I grew up. But I loved finding wild rattlesnakes and trying to pick them up and calm them down, you know, and then walk around with them for 45 minutes or whatever and not get bit. And that was super fun for me because I was like, see, I can do it. You know what I mean? Obviously, you're tempting fate, and that's stupid. And I was stupid. And you know, well, I, you are but arrogant. An, an incredible brand of human, as your stories are also quite <laughs> ignorant, in arrogant, incredible, incredible, yeah. incredible. Give me a rattlesnake. I'll show you wrong right now. I know. I know. Uh, well, no, surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down, baby. Uh, no, but so yeah, that was kind of fun because I came from like a animal training and and behaviorist type of a background so i bring that that perspective to my reptile keeping mm-hmm. you know which is i think that's what why people like those videos where i'm getting bit by stuff and i'm like it's okay she just doesn't understand right now but we're about to communicate what's really going on let's watch her change her disposition you know what i mean they, they like those videos and stuff <laughs> that i do you know what i mean and uh I don't know. I think Cusco's thing is just like sitting down and tripping out with the reptiles all the time. Like, oh, it's you and me sharing this space in the universe. You know what I mean? That's yeah. I mean, I don't think about it in that voice, but yes, you do. That's the, that's the voice. I've heard you do. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you can't sharing. lie to us, Cusco. We're on a podcast with your voice. Sharing Everyone's this hearing you. Space in the universe. Just space in the universe with a snake right now. Me and the uh, snake are one. I mean, you guys probably did notice me on the couch there, and although maybe that is what it looked like my voice sounded like while I was sitting there with your false water cobra, oh, yeah. I was definitely connecting with it. We had a little moment there. Yep, that's it. I, I still don't think that's what my voice sounded like <laughs> in my own head. <laughs> well, you're gonna have to record the voice in your head sometime and play it back to you, so you know. All right, I'll try that. I'll try that. But I don't know what do you what do you bring to the table, Clint? With reptiles, I mean, we we know very little about you. You got your baseball history, but yeah, what yeah. what's your approach? I mean, you have the academia background, which is, I think, very different from anyone else on YouTube right now. It is different. You know, I mean, there are people who have like biology degrees and stuff like that that are into reptiles, but you're that is you're, true. None of them have YouTube channels. You're <laughs> mm, doesn't Barcheck have a a PhD? PhD? Doesn't he? I don't think in so. In biology, I'm pretty sure he does. Really. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to ask him. I, I don't. I don't recall that. Yeah, I think he does. You guys comment. No, I, no, comment no. below. Oh wait, no, that doesn't. You work. can comment below. It's, we, this oh, is yeah. going on YouTube. Oh, this one's on the video. I don't think so. I think you're wrong. I, I recall watching I this show called Snake Bites. I make when a lot I first of stuff back up. from Hawaii, and I feel like in the intro every time was said, "I'm no zoologist." I'm pretty sure. I think that is part of the intro to Snake yeah. Bites. Mm, I don't know. You have to ask just him. a guy Here's who has a Go real passion him. for reptiles and ed- yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure he has a PhD in biology. I think that you don't know what you're talking about, but that's, that's just my opinion. Obviously, very possible. <laughs> Call him up. <laughs> but I want to know, see, like, what's kind of your your perspective on on this kind of stuff? Like, it, like, what do reptiles do for you, and what do you do for them? You know, that's a great question. So, one one interesting thing is. Uh, like I, my my undergraduate, I, I majored in zoology and and biology, and during my whole time getting a degree in zoology, I didn't meet anybody who liked reptiles or actually animals at all as much as I did. Like I just, you know, all my <laughs> well, life, like all my teachers in high school hated children. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah. but anyway, continue. Well, all, you know, all all my life I was into animals. I mean, you know, even as a, like a little, little kid, two, three years old, there was 
some animal show on on PBS that was like the main thing I wanted to watch. I always wanted, you know, documentaries on Discovery before there was Animal Planet. When Animal Planet came out, it was like the greatest thing ever because I'd just occasionally catch them. Like, that's what I wanted to watch. Uh, you know, I didn't really read novels. I read zoo books and eventually Reptiles Magazine and like uh, my field guide to North American reptiles and amphibians. Like, that's what I read all the time. I just wanted to know about animals and reptiles in particular, especially especially once I got to a point where I realized I'll probably never see a dinosaur. It's like, all right, well. I haven't given up hope. Reptiles I haven't is, given up no, hope. No, I'm actually more optimistic about it now than I was 20 years ago. Good for you. Um, you hang on to that. But, but you know. The force like, be with you. <laughs> thank you, and also with you. <laughs> this, is, this is, you know, so, you know, my, my zoology degree was interesting because it, Except for there was only really one thing that I learned in my undergraduate that I wasn't at least somewhat aware of already because of just always being fascinated with animals. And honestly, I know a lot of little animal facts, and most of them have nothing to do with my formal education. Um, you know, my... Zoo books for the win. Zoo books for the win, for real. And and uh, in just a lifelong passion for learning about animals um you know my my advanced degrees have been have been great because really my undergraduate didn't even teach me how to be a scientist i just memorized a whole bunch of stuff my 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 advanced degrees are what actually turned me into a scientist in the way that i think and and actually doing real science and and i think the main thing that that actually helps me to do i mean obviously i try to add a lot of really cool stuff to our videos that you know you normally wouldn't know there are things that I teach when I teach biology things like that um and but but also you know it's helped me with my ability to evaluate sources and and so when I give information like I you know when I'm doing my own research it's pretty easy for me to pick out stuff that's just totally bogus and not spread you've been calling me on it all weekend I know I know just and I feel bad, yeah. but at some point it's like you can't exactly. just let it go if he's going to be broadcasting it out there. No, all we have the a, we have a whole segment on our Patreon for it. It's called Humble Hartle. So yes, you you should get in touch with <laughs> yeah, Jessica. It's You'd be good at that. <laughs> but uh, no, no, humble as a verb. Like oh like yeah, yeah, help us humble Hartle. Got gotcha, you, got gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. Does it work? Uh, no. It's just started. We, it's not. It, yeah, so far no no effect. I, it's a pretty futile. Uh, yeah. Around the time we find the dinosaurs. <laughs> But but you know honestly like it's it's been a thing with with this channel is like this is my passion as a hobbyist but I'm not I'm not even close to the greatest reptile expert that I know I'm not the greatest reptile expert in this room right now like but but you know I I do th feel like I know a lot about how much I don't know and I try to but and I, and I feel like I you know I've worked hard to become a good educator and. I don't try to teach people things I don't know or that I can't I can't teach them with some level of confidence. And they you know, people know that they always get sincerity and, and honesty from me, uh, you know, as far as what I actually understand. As far as my my personal love for reptiles, I've thought a lot about that because I think there are people that love reptiles in really different ways. There are people that love reptiles like they would love a child, sort of, and that's not me. I, um I think when I was younger I had that view a little bit more, but I, you know, I think, I think some of it is becoming like an evolutionary ecologist and viewing things more on a population level than an individual level has, has changed 
a little bit. Like I can, I can handle the fact that some individuals in a population die and things like that. And it doesn't, it doesn't devastate me in the way that it did when I was younger. Uh, you know, and I'm not, I don't want to dote on them and treat them like a child and dress them up and call them cute names. And like, there are people that do that. And, and if it, that leads to them having a great relationship with animals and the wildlife, that's great, but it's not me. Well, but you do have animals here that have, that have names. Oh, so. I, I, I like giving them names more, more than anything because it helps other people connect to them. Um, Which is what we actually mentioned when you were talking about the super dwarf that you have with me earlier. Like, we need to give it a name because it's such a connective animal. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and, and especially people that are averse to snakes, the right name all of a sudden they're like, oh, well. Buttercup. Yeah, Buttercup. I can't hate Buttercup. <laughs> you know, and that's not why she got that name. I, you know, I, I named her that before I started doing outreach with her. Did you ever hear this story of my daughter's scorpion and its name? No. No? I'll, I'll talk to you later. But she had a, she has an African emperor scorpion named I Love You. <laughs> yeah. well, See, that's great. Yeah. My, my hog nose over there, his name is Shovel Face. <laughs> makes, like makes sense. People like that. You know, yeah. and uh, Buttercup, her name is Buttercup. She's got a black mask, so I wanted to name her Wesley from The Princess Bride. But she turned out to be a female, so I named her Buttercup. Then I got another one, guaranteed male, named it Wesley, also a female. So I wound up with a female <laughs> Wesley anyway. And now now I have a male. He's in Nigo Montoya. Uh-huh. And, and that's the group. But uh prepare to die. Yeah, that is exactly right. And uh, but but uh, you know what I've what I've kind of and I'm I'm still wrapping my brain around it, but it's very similar to what you were describing. It's like I like having that connection with them. Especially especially to the point where they can relax in your presence to the point that they start acting naturally in your presence. Right. That was the alligator laying down and basking with me experience. Right. Yeah. All of a sudden, then, you start learning things about the psychology of these animals, the behavior of these animals that maybe nobody's ever observed before. Exactly. That's a, even, even if it's not a, a behavioral study or something that's scientifically significant, just the 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 personality of the animal or, or its spirit or whatever, if you will, you know, being able to see it, see that when other people can't, Yes. you know, and, and there's th- things about like the scaly outside drives people away, but you know that there's more inside of that animal, you know, that's it's so exactly cool. Right. And you know, and I don't, I don't love interacting with the really dangerous ones necessarily. Um, but like, like one of them that was, you, you can watch it in our video on these because I don't get these out to handle them that often, but I did for this video. It's when I got the neon day geckos out. I was handling those when we filmed our video, and I'm like, I'm just having a moment. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just like soul to soul connection. Those, those geckos were so relaxed. That's and weird. I do the same that's thing with my weird. morning geckos. Yeah, that's pretty strange. They're they're all super relaxed. You know, I can get I can get those out, you know, and they'll hop from hand to hand and stuff. Even if they hop away from me, like, they're no. They're not, they're not afraid, off. you know. It's yeah, they, they go nowhere. You know, I can just scoop them back up again, and that's pretty pretty bizarre. It's a it's, for that species. Oh yeah, and it's it's so special, you know. And I I'll, I'll go out in the field and sort of sort of like you were doing with the false water cobra, you know. I can get a wild lizard, and usually like it'll just sit on my hand and run up on my shoulder and hang out, and you know it'll be there. For, we can go on a walk, and yep. it'll just stay there, and you just have this connection with them. It's yeah. almost like a little bit of magic. So you're getting a yeah. little touch of yeah. well, magic. You know, my wife and my, my friend Kevin, who's my first ever reptile friend with whom I, I go herping a lot, she's like, you, you, you know, I think, I think you guys have it too. You know, it's like you're a lizard whisperer. You know, like they, 
they just relax and it's it, it's insane. Like I don't know why, and I can't tell them either. But like I feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can I can feel that connection with them. I feel like I can feel it, mm-hmm. and they seem to respond as though they can feel it. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, and it's and but you know, but but talking Tom, to you guys, Tom and being Selleck with you guys, defined it with horses. He said you communicate to them through your butt. You should try it with reptiles. That might work. <laughs> I, I did that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. The teed. Yeah. Maybe catching the teed. Yeah. That's yeah. very true. That's very true. And who was it that reached up the hole in your pants to grab it off of your butt? That, that was Clint. Me. Wow. I was, a, did you guys have a moment in the in the pursuit of a lizard? I feel like I fear no <laughs> obstacle. <laughs> I feel like as you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. I will slide down a mountain. Oh yeah. I will reach yeah. into anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Right? I will. I will. Literally I will, anywhere. I will, I will reach Pucker under. Up, yeah, I will reach under the buttocks of an a man who hasn't showered in days. <laughs> I don't know if you realize this at the time, either, but that day I actually ripped a large hole in those pants. I showed in the video afterwards, but there's a huge. He was waiting for the lizard hole. to literally be inside of his pants. Yeah. And I think I, where we, do you think I got it? I think yeah. you and I. Also I actually had a thought moment. that you did until this moment. <laughs> I was like, wait, he reached up inside your pants from underneath. You know, you guys on the podcast know what I'm talking about. That little seam that goes right across, right underneath in that sweet spot. Yeah. That's where no, I, I, I felt up in there. Lizard wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sting! <laughs> oh, I feel so emasculated right now. Uh, Okay. Which is Shh. good. It's good. It's good. I've been working on battling back my my ego a little bit. Now. Yeah, yeah. You're you're of a massive ego. <laughs> <laughs> it comes out from time time and time again. You're, you're definitely one of the more humble and just good-hearted people I've ever met. So he's talking to Brian. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. No. You can't yeah. See. No. I hope there was. I didn't think there'd be any confusion. <laughs> like if they never watched this before ever. You said there were two other episodes. That should be plenty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, yes, the truth. Oh, the truth is so good, so good to hear. When he, when he was talking to you earlier, like one of my fears about having guests on this podcast is like, I was like, are we going to be able to have a guest and allow them to speak, or are we going to listen to Garrett? Speak you know why he says that? Because I like to interrupt and talk yeah, over right, people. That right the there, just interrupt you. Like, it's only like, because there's not very much capacity. Oh, Lord, I'm going to take the mic away from In you my and brain. Beat you with your head. <laughs> I have to get it out or I'll forget. I did really good with Dave. Did you notice me writing things down? I was like, I have a thought. I better write it down so I don't have to say it while Dave is talking. We're, we're working on it. It's, it's a process to, to have a guest and, and let, allow other people to speak from time to time. It's, uh, it's one of part of the humbling hartle process. <laughs> I like to listen too. So Yeah, me too. Well. I learn more that way. Oh, yeah. I do too. But that's why that's how I stay ignorant. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's, it's very, that's good. That's, that's good. my MO. Stay ignorant and arrogant. If I listen too much, I start to learn. That's no good. I, I, I totally understand. I totally, when I was learning Spanish, I, I met somebody who'd been learning Spanish for a lot less time than I had. And at one point he used a vocabulary word that I didn't know. And I started to feel like, oh man, how, why does he know more Spanish than I do when he's just starting? And I eventually realized that he doesn't know more Spanish than I do. There's a lot of words I know that he doesn't. He just happens to know that one thing that I don't. But for a while, like, that was really hard on my pride. And so that's why, like, if you leave the door open for people to say anything, they might say something you don't know, and you got to deal with that. It's much better. (laughs) 
Have you ever Excellent seen- strategy, <laughs> sir. Excellent strategy. <laughs> have you ever seen that? There's this guy, J.P. Sears. He does these. Yeah. Com- yeah that, I feel like I feel like you almost became him there for a second. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, really <laughs> if you listen too much to other people, you might learn something, and then you're gonna have to deal with that. <laughs> you don't. You don't want to do that. That's that's bad. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Oh man, I'm I'm really happy. I'm really happy to be here, man. I'm happy to just you. You've surprised me a lot. You've surprised me a lot. That's this been week a great, in a really trip. good way. Like, and it's uh, I don't know. I I can't really say enough about it. I, I don't want to say too much because I'm gonna get all sappy. Garrett's gonna start making fun of me, and I'm gonna start dealing with it. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is true. I'm 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 really happy with the person you are. It's uh, it's been a blessing in my my life this week to have met you and and known you this much better from this trip because I think that. What, a what you're doing for reptiles is phenomenal and b you're the the right person to do it and you have the capacity for your intelligence and your your knowledge to not be to not overshadow it with this i know it all and quite the opposite or you know the humbleness that we're trying to get into garrett like it's you just have it <laughs> yeah you're it's not to, here be, with me. to be humble as even though you have enough knowledge and and experience and uh you've accomplished enough to where i've seen people do that and they lose the endearing quality that i find in people which is, is to be open to possibilities and not close things out and let their ego get in the way of what could be a really great thing so but just keep that up and i think we're gonna you know, i think we, we've got a great resource in, in clint laidlaw here in the reptile world. Clint Rockslider Laidlaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got my new name. <laughs> we'll put it up at the beginning of every video. Clint Rockslider. Rockslider Laidlaw. <laughs> That's really kind of you, though, Brian. Like, it, it has honestly been just phenomenal to get to know both of you. Uh, you know, like, I... What was it? Probably three, four months ago. I don't know. All of a sudden... I, 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 well, I watched... I, I was watching one of your... just a short video of you singing a song on on Facebook, you know, and I'd kind of been thinking it for a while, but I'm like, I got to be friends with Brian in real life. Like, it's obvious he's just one of the best guys you're ever going to meet. That's actually and, how we met. <laughs> and so I just like, like I, I contacted Dave. I'm like, can I get Brian's contact information? And he's like, yeah, I give it out to everybody. <laughs> and so, so, you know, but I, I, like I give you a call and, and we did, we talked for I don't know a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. And it was just it was just great. Like you know, like you just you just have a good soul. And and to be perfectly honest, like like I found Garrett a little bit intimidating, um, just because you loud. are well, I'm, you're, I'm and you're competent, loud. you know. And and there there are people there are people in my life that I I have known for a lot longer, and they're so competent and confident, right? The the combination of those two things, not arrogant, just because, because I think Wait, are we still talking about me? Er, yeah, well. I had the exact same kind of reaction with him when we first met. I told him about it many times. Like, I've, I've talked with him about it. I was like, I was so intimidated by you, like by your knowledge and your confidence in your knowledge. It was very yeah. intimidating yeah, to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so weird. To, isn't yeah. it would seem weird now? No, it doesn't seem weird because he's saying it, and that's exactly well, how I, I know, felt. but that, why is that? Well, I, don't and I, I don't have that confidence in my knowledge, right? Like, I, like I, I, I'll tell you what I understand, and, and there's a reason that I... I will tell you like I, if I don't know something about something I know I don't know it but but I could know something that's wrong right and so if I'm like I think this is the way it is and you're like no it's not I'd be like okay <laughs> you know like <laughs> and, and I don't know why that is I just feel like I'm a goober all the time and, and well, well you know maybe maybe we all feel that way a lot more than 
people and people realize. I suppose. You know, but 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 you you come across as somebody not only well you, you're competent in your knowledge, but you're also right an awful lot of the time. You know, like I've I've never known you to be wrong about stuff. I'm sure you are from time to time because we least all are. fifty fifty. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I mean, what 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 more could somebody <laughs> hope? <for? laughs> and. Uh, but but you know and and so so that was a little bit intimidating and I'll I'll be honest like it was when you were telling us uh, you were telling us about um, you're just before before you met your your wife but the, you know that one of the things that was the most important to you in the world was to be a dad you know to to be a father and, and raise an awesome family I you know I didn't understand that about you as being like a key part of who you were and all of a sudden it was like. There's a there's a lot more to Garrett than I would have dreamed because there, there are a lot of people who genuinely are who are confident and competent. They're like that because that's everything to them. That's the only thing they know anything about, and so they are the expert. But there's like this whole giant other side to you. And then you know, as I got to know you more over the weekend, like like our our climb up into to that the was, deadly that heights. was the highlight of my weekend. That actually. that was might have yeah. been mine as well, and you know, and it was just it was just fun hanging out and like getting to know you, and like you're just a good guy that's fun we, to be around. We it. ogres have layers. Yes, like, like onions. onions. It should be the highlight. It should be the highlight of your weekend because you came away with it with your life. That's <laughs> absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, I should. Yeah, we I had should, to test our metal a little bit. Yeah, should I? Should know? I? Yeah, absolutely. And we and we saw some things. We didn't see the things we were hoping to see. We yeah. saw things we didn't even dream would be up there. We we were geeking out about lichen. Yes, we were big time. <laughs> no, yeah, I really get a, a, along with you so well because I don't know. We might be very different personalities, but we're both. You even said it on the phone. You're like, "Oh, this is going to be such a nerdy weekend." Yeah. If you come. And it, it ended up being and that it way. It was. was I didn't even. I hadn't set my expectations high. <laughs> yeah, it is the difference. It's the differences that I enjoy in people. It's it's I don't I don't know a whole lot of people like me, and that's maybe because I don't really have anything to gain from somebody who's just like me. You know, and there's that's not as enjoyable to just. Is like, there anybody just like guy. you? Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. I feel like maybe there is, and I just I just would if I found them, I would. I'm like, no, that's not going to work out. We've already yeah. got one of those. Yeah, we got one right now. <laughs> we have to go find some other group where we don't have one of them already. enough room in this town for the two of us. <laughs> You'd both be too pleasant to say that to each other. <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd be together and you'd both hate it, but you're just both like, think, I really want that I'm guy to go, nice but to we're just going to keep jamming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is true. If I really, if I really don't like somebody, I generally don't give them any time of day to the most of my ability. But they just like, okay, well, honestly, honestly, like I, you know, I find it very difficult to be mean to somebody. Like I would have to really put some effort into it to be genuine. I think if you find someone that intimidates you and is confident, you're okay with it. I've noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there, there are people who in you know who I've known who have really done me wrong, right? Okay. Like, and and you know, at some point, I've I've just sort of decided like, I'm just not going to have any more conversations with this person, right? Like. Like I'm sorry, Dad. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be cordial with them. Like I'm not gonna ignore them or act like anything seriously wrong. I'm just gonna kind of because anytime I've had a conversation, like they've used it to stab me in the back. Yeah. So it's like I'm, I got, I've learned I have to stop, and so I have, but I have to be deliberate about it because if if people are really, really mean to me, 
and then they just stop being mean to me, I'm pretty much great with them afterward. And it's like, but it's like sometimes you got to let somebody stop stabbing you. Like you, you, I just can't let you stab me in the back. That was definitely the, one of the Again. most kindest ways to approach. You just got to let somebody stop stabbing you. Like <laughs> yeah. don't, don't stop them. Just let them stop. <laughs> no, but I understand what you're saying because I've I've let myself be a punching bag at times too. So I can I can relate to that type of sentiment. But like you said, just just don't you know, still be cordial, but and just choose to not let them be part of your life as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like. Like being a jerk, that would to them that would like for real. That would take some energy. energy. Yeah, you take a lot of energy. Just uh, and it's just gonna wreck you. Right. It's not that big a deal. There's a lot of there's. <laughs> there's I wish more people had that type of outlook. But I do recognize that the people that don't have that outlook are there for me to appreciate the people that do. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. Um, okay, Brian, a, can I talk? Just a tiny little bit of shop with Clint. A tiny no, bit. You've I'm gonna let him talk it. I'm not gonna talk. I don't want to hear anything about business. We've heard enough about business from you. To not from Clint. Hold on. Hold on. First. Okay. Okay. Say whatever you want, Harlow. I don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's finally been worn down. <laughs> this is what happens when the unstoppable force move, yeah. meets the un- immovable wall. <laughs> I move him. Okay. 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 I'm gonna cover up your microphone. Um, the, one of the other things that really impresses me about you, I know I've said a lot of things that impress me about you, but it's just, it's just true. So I, I can't help it. Um, your ability to... I feel like I'm watching a speed dating episode. <laughs> no, your ability to... This is an hour and a half long <laughs> date. Are you kidding? After the end of a weekend of... <laughs> to successfully debate, like even through text, which is one of the most difficult ways to debate, but I've, I've seen you do it and, like, and present ideas that people disagree with, but be able to present it in a way that for me, I'm like, yeah, how, how could you not agree with... Even if you disagree, how could you not agree with that? Because you're able to see the other person, like where the op- opposing side, where the good points from the opposing side are. And I know we've had this conversation before, but still, I just kind of want you to talk about how you're able to do that so successfully, especially something like teaching evolutionary biology mm-hmm. while being a religious man at the same time and possibly teaching that to religious people, like how you're able to do that successfully, because I assume you do. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that actually shaped a lot of the research I did and I'm, I'm continuing to do uh, was the fact that like I, I I I was doing my my graduate work at a religious institution, and so I was I would TA at times, being a like a an assistant to a professor. I'd TA for other instructors, and they'd be teaching general biology. And it was like a war. And I graded the tests, and students would be writing all kinds of snarky answers. Like when you're writing a snarky answer on a test, like you either really hate doing well in a class. <laughs> or you're really, really adamant about your position on something, and you know there was st- students would storm out of the room, and that was like when they lightly touched on evolution. Well, you know, like my master's is all evolutionary ecology. Like that's what I know. Evolution, evolution is what I really like in biology, largely because it affects everything, and my interests are very, very broad, and so like all of life is under this umbrella. And, and it's, it's always, it, like, it's always made sense to me, which is interesting because I actually spent my entire undergraduate studying zoology and biology with an emphasis in evolution all the while, because I had just recently become religious, all the while assuming that meant that I couldn't accept evolution. <laughs> and so, but I, like, I'm taking evolution courses. I'm like, man, this makes a lot of sense. Hard to believe it's not true, but I guess it's not. Oh, well. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, um, you know, it, it wasn't until later that I found out that, like, there's actually no, 
no issue with evolution and, and my particular religion. But but most people in my religion don't know that. Uh, in, in studies, like they are some of the lowest in acceptance of evolution. Well, I started teaching my class, and it's like, I mean, I, I cover natural selection on the first day of class that we're actually talking about biology. And then, I mean, the, uh, the whole class is about evolution. Uh, the whole, all of it. Never a problem. I had one student who'd kind of look at me like every now and then. And that was it. That was the whole of my problem. I graded all the tests. Nothing. You know, it was just never a problem. And so I'm like, why? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Why? What am I doing? And, and that's why I, I, you know, I was I was teaching, and I taught. I would teach five or six sections a day, back to back to back to back to back, to back. and I would teach them, and I would essentially take out some of the more conspicuous things that I did differently from the other professors to try to figure out, like essentially try to break my class, like find a section where I don't have that. Push the yeah, find your limits somewhere. Every way I taught it, they. Were great and 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 I have I quantified it. their acceptance went way up of evolution every way I taught it, you know. And so I'm like, why? What what am I doing? You know. And so that's actually a question I'm I'm still addressing, but it's maybe just let it happen. Maybe let's not yeah. figure out what it is. Just, yeah. If it's working, and then you're applying it now to reptiles to, for people, let's just let's just keep it going. Well, well, you know. And I I think I think one of the things I think this is this is where I've landed that I I. I think is, is the biggest thing is um, I feel like I'm more approachable than a lot of university instructors as far as I'm one of you guys instead of I think a lot of faculty will sometimes try to set themselves apart from their students as being something else and human psychology is really really powerful that you are exceptionally skeptical of ideas that come from outside of your perceived in-group and r- really, really accepting, unreasonably accepting of ideas that come from within your in-group. And so I think I think one of the things that I did in all those classes, and it wasn't something I'm doing deliberately, I think it's just kind of the way I approach it, is I'm not much of a person to other people. You know, like they're part of my group, right? We are talking about this. We, you know, it's all inclusive, and I, I think I think that's major. But But the other thing is, you know, I'm interested in talking about controversial topics basically across the board, really controversial topics. And I, I don't often have really strong opinions on controversial topics because I'm interested in understanding both sides' arguments. And one of the reasons I engage in a lot of these conversations, even like on social media and stuff, is because I imagine if there's an if if I'm feeling pretty strongly about one side of an argument, but it's controversial. Like obviously, other people are feeling very strongly for reasons I might not understand. Oh, for sure. And I genuinely want to know, like, why? What are your reasons? What are your best arguments? I don't want to tear them down. Like, I don't want to be arguing against a straw man version of what you think. Like, what? What? Why really do you feel this way? And you know, at the end of the day, where I usually land is like. I feel I you know my personal opinion is this but I totally see why they're over here on this and so I'm not really hardcore one way or the other about it and like I just I just when, what when's my, the last time that you had cuz I I like your approach you know what I mean as far mm-hmm. as being not afraid of necessarily being confrontational 
in the search of truth. Yes. Right? Because if you're wrong on some point, it'd be great to know because then you can correct and change. Right? So when's the last time you you really like got floored and had to change the way you think foundationally about something? All the time. Yeah. Um, Like, do you have any good ones where, you know, like where you basically came into an argument or discussion on one side of the table and somebody presented you with something where you're like, oh, well, I am very easily persuaded by evidence. And so, so this is just one that comes to mind, but one, you know, one of them was uh, about whether or not selectively bred organisms would count as being a GMO. You know, when, when we talk about GMOs on products and stuff like that, we're almost always talking about transgenic organisms. Right. But if you look at something like corn, it's very much unlike its natural ancestors, even if you look at corn from 500 years ago. Absolutely. And, and, and the genetics have been modified deliberately by humans. Sure. And so... You know, it, it is, I apologize for this, let me get rid of that. It is absolutely a GMO by, by the, you know, and, and all that really mattered there was what is the definition of a GMO mm, that we're right. using. You're arguing semantics. It's, a, yeah, it's an argument of semantics, but once, they, once somebody can provide me with a good source showing that this is the definition, it's like, okay, great, that's the definition. And I, I have things like that happen all the time. Mm. Um, you know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think, you know, I, as far as things that I do feel very, very strongly about, I feel like we need to be allowed to have freedom of speech, which includes saying things that are highly objectionable. That that needs to be allowed, because otherwise people are going to have these terrible ideas, and they're never going to hear the reasons why they're terrible ideas. They just know they're being oppressed out of being able to speak them. You know, I if it's, 100% it, agree that freedom of speech is a big one for me. Oh, like I think yeah. people should be allowed to say whatever they want to say, yeah, however right they want to say it. And there might and there might be consequences, right? Like if you're if you're saying things that obviously you're just a horrendous person. Well, okay, I think and I people think there don't be go watch your movie anymore, yeah. and well, then you cry about it. Well, I think I think stage one would be to make sure that they're informed why that idea is terrible, mm. right? Like maybe maybe it's just out of ignorance that they're saying this thing that is really objectionable, right? So. Thing number one, they should be informed why that is a bad idea. And if they're still like, yeah, I don't even care. I stand by that 100%. Then it's like, yeah, maybe I don't want to associate with you or support what you're doing. But at least you get to know where they're coming from. If you beat down freedom of speech enough, then you don't get to know they hide in a little dark corner and just come exactly. out and surprise you sometimes. So, yeah, exactly. that's yeah. exactly right. And, they, and, they, and, and now it's really easy to find an echo chamber about anything. You know, like, oh, yeah. like that, that's mm. why reptile YouTube is a thing. Is because oh, none of us, we grew up, we didn't know anybody like us. Turns out, though, on Earth, quite a few people quite a bit like us. Mm. And now it's really easy to find the people that are just like you, no matter how rare you are. And if you have really horrible ideas, and you know that the only people you can speak to about them are the people that also have those really horrible ideas, and they're like, no, you're spot on about this. You're so right. We're all right. It's just a big conspiracy. Like, that's the worst. That's the worst thing that can happen. And so, so I think I think that's really important. And then the other thing is, I think we need to be able to have polite discourse, which is really, really related. But if somebody says something really objectionable, instead of just being like, "You're the worst," everybody, the worst. He's the worst, right? <laughs> and, and we see this a lot in the reptile community, right? You say something about care, and you're like, "Oh no." You are a bad person. I think it's something that happens in all communities. Right yes, now. it, it yeah. is. It's, it's a shocking thing to me. In the reptile community, it makes some sense to me because at least an animal might be suffering. It wasn't until my friend Kevin, who's all way into reptile, he was my first ever reptile friend, right? We already talked about him. He's also into Warhammer 40K. 
Is that a video game? Uh, it's a tabletop. It's the board game. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, painted I always want. I want game? somebody who's really good at that to like do all my landscapes in my terrariums. Yes. That would be cool. Well. Go ahead, anyways. If you say something... I mean, you know, that you say something controversial in Warhammer 40K, you'll get shredded in just the same way. Like, it's just <laughs> it's just people who get really strong opinions about their hobbies. And the fact that it's an animal might be suffering is probably really just an excuse for you to go ballistic on somebody who you would have gone <laughs> ballistic no matter what the heck you were talking about. Yeah. But now now I have it. I can justify it because I'm saving the animal. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Or he's just yelling at a guy who had a question or said something wrong, and now he's never going to talk to anyone about reptiles yeah. again. Yep, yep. And and so you know we need to we need to have the patience to inform people and have discussions and explain to people why they're wrong if they're wrong, and and be open to the possibility that you're the one that's wrong. Which that's a it's hard for people. That's a difficult mindset to have. It is. Um, you know, and the easiest way is just never to let them talk. Yes. To avoid that yes, that's that possibility. Yes, yeah, so that's and that's good. Like that. Actually, I I, I doing, might have, you were doing really good about it, right? You've, I'm impressed. No, that with was you impressive. Right I'm yeah, just, I'm super impressed with you right he now. He was talking. I was interested in what he was saying. Maybe <laughs> you should try a little harder, Brian. Let's go. Can just say something interesting every now and then? Maybe with this guest's idea is a good idea. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to let you speak. Now that you were trying to bulldoze me, so I was like, no, I'm going to bulldoze you. <laughs> but now, but now I'd like to let you. You wanted no, to talk some shop, and I'm, I'm no, curious. Get to crap. I had a retort or a question. Or something. I, I thought that was the question. No, I forget what it is. Oh, yeah, it is not that good of a. Yeah. Anyways, okay. So here's my question. Ready? Uh, topic shift. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, you're in a position with this place that we are sitting right now in Clint's Reptile Room, right? Which is super cool place to be doing a location sponsor um, that was unsponsored, but that's okay. Um, you're in a position where, like, my younger sister, she opened a retail store right at the onset of the shutdown for COVID-19. Not an easy place to be. No. You know, I mean, she'd spent her life savings on this, spent months in preparation, so many plans. And the hardest part sometimes is just like the, the mental and emotional momentum that you have to have to jump into something like this because it's such a, an amazingly huge obstacle I mean, there's a reason why people don't all do this. Everyone wants to do this. How come you're the one that does and everyone else doesn't? It's because it's ridiculously hard, mm-hmm. you know, and you've got to be in the right place for that. Okay, so here's my question. You've done that. The place is open. You've shared with us how you, you know, received like a wealth of community support, which is fantastic, you know, but I guess I just want to know how do you, how are you okay right now you know what i mean what what do you, what gets you through what what's kind of your thought process where you wake up you have this stuff you're trying to go full time the youtube thing has kind of exploded right and not undeservedly i think everything that you're doing is great but perhaps a bit unexpectedly from whatever mm-hmm. your original ideas were or mm-hmm. whatever right um and it's giving you this opportunity to to even think about like can I actually do this? And I was there with the with the super dwarfs. I mean, I'm working with like a basically valueless niche species, right? And I, I didn't think it would ever work. But eventually you got to this point where you're like, oh, I just do what I like for the sake of it. And I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And then you get to this point where you're like, This is actually working. 
right? And then you take this huge step, and now, boom, big, you know, drawback, big letdown. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think all of us that have businesses or, or really just anything that we're investing our life into have had these major setbacks. Like we had an incubator fail at our place this year. I lost five clutches of some of the most important breeding. Some of them were literally like life goal. I mean, our friend Forrest Fanning passed away earlier this year. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> That's your question. Because I asked a question here's and then I talked for 15 minutes. Here's my minutes. question. I'd breed super dwarfs. Not, not That's not a question. It's not a question. I'm setting, I'm setting the mood. I'm trying to say, like, you know, you, you have to get through this thing. I think a lot of our listeners have gone through similar things. So I, I'm impressed by your ability to keep keep on keeping on. How do you do it? That's a good question. I mean... Long, but good. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Continue. <laughs> it's been interesting. You know, I am, I am not a person that tends to quit on things that I put effort in and I believe in. But I'll be honest... There was a time not very long ago when I was thinking, I've got to start considering at what point do I throw in the towel on this? And I, I hated the thought of that. Um, the thing is, you know, big picture, I believe in this. I, I'm scared about what the next six months look like. Mm. And um, it, wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, at all stages of this project, it has been because of the support of our community that it's happened and that it's continued on. And, and so I'm, I am so thankful for that. Um, so I feel like there's been a lot of people that have stood under me to lift me up as, as this whole project has gone on. And, and the, the reality is, I mean, we've sunk a lot of our savings into it just to keep it alive while we wait for things to change. And I don't know how long it'll be before we can really open our doors up to large groups of people coming through here that we would need to to keep this going. But, but what's been incredible just for us in the short term is we've had these face-to-face chats where our, you know, our fans sign up and I talk to them. A lot of them don't even own reptiles which is just so cool. They don't own reptiles. They're interested in reptiles. They love them. They're, they're like, in a few years, I'm going to be in a place where I can get one. I love the responsibility that these people have taken that they're like, I recognize that I'm not in a place where I can handle it right now, but I'm, I'm going to be prepared and then I'm going to do it right. But they, That's they kind of what this place is, right? It's allowing people to live vicariously. Through Absolutely. the efforts that you're doing without having to put that much effort. Absolutely. In. And, and you know, and I think, I think it's going to be a really, really special place. Unlike anywhere I've really been, but a place that I want to go. And I guess that's sort of how our channel is, too. Is like it's a pl- it's, it was a resource that I didn't have that I wanted. And, and this is a place I would have dreamed to go. Even though it's not, it's not like it's going to have the craziest reptiles I've ever seen. Or, or anything like that. It's just it is it's it's an experience that hopefully is life changing. And and I got to I got to experience that a little bit myself actually when I was at Nerd, and I was handling the King Cobras. I told this story before, but not on this podcast. Not on this podcast. Well, you know, so going into sports, you know, I, I I've all my life been a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, and they've never even been to a Super Bowl in my lifetime. And they made it this year. And the week before the Super Bowl, I woke up that Sunday morning and, and like I just had this like 
<laughs> not in your stomach. It's like it's like almost excitement, but kind of dread. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's a week from today, it's going to be the day. Well, the week before Super Bowl Sunday, in fact, Super Bowl, I, I watched the Super Bowl on the plane flying back from Nerd. <laughs> uh, so we, we went to Nerd. And the Saturday night before Super Bowl Sunday, that's when I held King Cobras for the first time and I held Lilith. And uh, the morning of the Super Bowl, I woke up and I just like, I couldn't go back to sleep. <coughs> And I was just like so excited. And I couldn't even think about football. All I was excited about was the experience I'd had with the King Cobras. And, you know, I'm, I, was, I was realizing like that was a genuinely fairly dangerous experience. Sure. You know, but it was also something I never thought I'd do. It pushed me outside of my comfort zone, and I had an amazing experience with an animal I never thought I'd experience. Because large venomous and crocodilians are the best. Absolutely. Continue. And I realized, you know, that is how a lot of people feel when I do an outreach program. You know, they've never touched a snake before. They're scared oh, yeah. to death. They, they, touch, they touch Buttercup. Yeah, now you're Butter, right. You know, Buttercup, I'm more concerned about being attacked by my mother than I am about Buttercup. Yeah. She's the nicest snake in the world. But to them, it's to like... To them, it's like you with the King Cobra. It is, it is yeah. And you're bringing it every day. And, and, and that is the experience people have. You know, like, like I get done and... You know, like like when I do a, a paid reptile program, which is what we're going to be doing a lot out of here to keep this place alive. I often feel like like I'm like, what am I even showing them that's worth this? What they you know what they're putting forward, and they are always so dang excited about what they got. There, there's so much more to this space too than the animals that, that you have in here. There really is. Like there's the vibe in here. Uh, I'm a big. I'm very sensitive to spaces. And, and moving into spaces, the, the fact that you had a piano in here when I first walked in, kind of like it, I was biased there. You know, grew up in, growing up in a house that always had a piano. It's like, oh, home. Right? So, but beyond just the piano, like the, the vibe in here, as somebody who's walked into crack houses and, and prisons and, and all, every kind of vibe, and then mansions and you know all the places that span spaces and how they feel, this place has an amazing feel. Like that, you could. It doesn't matter if you have the most rare animal in here. The fact that you do have some cool reptiles in here and the way this space feels, it's going to be that much more successful because of the feel that's in here. I mean, am I, am I right? Do you feel that in here? Oh, it's yeah. I mean, like, you know, if you contrast it with most people's reptile collections or whatever, like if you go in my space, it feels like a hoarder's house. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just the super doors packed in everywhere, you know? And, <laughs> but, but the difference is this. Like there's some really incredible animals in there, but I have to make an effort to step back sometimes and just look at the one snake and be like, how incredible is it that I have one of these? I, there's so many people that, that, you know, I hear it on our YouTube channel all the time. Like, Oh my God, you get, like, I wish I could see one in person. We had someone come out the other day and they looked at the Karampas and we have three of the five Yeah, and they're like, Holy shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm holding. I'm yeah, there with it in I, its presence. I have I have touched, smelled, maybe tasted when I wasn't looking. Sixty percent of the United States population of Carampas. You know what I mean? More if you count the babies. So that the stuff is, it, but it's it takes a big effort to do that. Mm-hmm. So I have some really cool, powerful, unique animals in a in a space that that doesn't do them justice. Here, on the other hand, 
You've got, I mean, we're sitting here in the podcast and I'm super enjoying, what kind of tree frog is that? A gray tree frog? Gray tree frog. That, that was like that. It's a gray tree frog. Like the kind you just catch outside and go, hey, hey, frog. And you let it go. And uh, I don't know, he's in this cool little planted, you know, vivarium that's sitting next to this giant oak beam or whatever that wood is. I don't know what that, maybe pine. But uh, little gray tree frog. And, and you've, uh, you've done him justice just for being who he is. And I don't know. I like. I don't know if you see me keep looking sideways at him tonight. You know what I mean? Maybe that's why I'm so quiet. I'm just like having a moment over here with the green tree, fro- the gray tree frog. You know, because of the space you've created around him. I'm grateful that, that that you see that because that's what I want. You know, and there was there was a time when we just moved everything in here, and it was still like nothing was in the space that it deserved. I love the way that you put that. Like, didn't do him justice. And, you know, and that's, that's the thing is like, I want, when you walk in here for every animal you look at, like you get to appreciate it and see it acting naturally. And, and at no point does it cross your mind. You're like, I feel so bad for that animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're just like, like that, that is, that's the feel that I want, that there's just nothing that drags you down in here. Just everything feels good and right. And, and I, it's not there yet. And so, you know, like you guys heard me apologizing a lot of times. I'm like, yeah, I, I, these are not the tanks that I want them in because they're not at all. But I, but, but I, I love that there's at least something now, you know, in a few little places, it's like, this is what we're doing. But the feel is there already. And knowing what your goals are for the place are, even though it's not up to your standards yet, which is great because it already has such a great feel in here. So what you're going to end up doing with it is going to be, I mean, I'm going to have to come back when you have it completed so I can sit on the couch. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and then I said, this I thing. hope you guys come back all the time. Yeah. See all the stages. Well, here's, I don't know if, if you've ever thought about it this way, but your YouTube channel is a platform through which people can experience something, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Which I think is a, is an educational experience about reptiles and you're presenting them with information, but you also have a lot of like room for the personality of that animal to shine through on your channel, which is, I think what makes it special. And, and you'll, you'll see the you know light in your eyes and smile, like, you know, geek out <laughs> about the animals. And when I was coming, my wife's like, Oh, that's the guy that does the little video. Cause uh-huh. she's only half in touch with the reptile. You know, she just kind of sees stuff pop up and she's like, which she, without knowing you and probably just seeing the first 15 seconds of two or three of your videos, you know what I mean? She's yeah. like, he seems so nice. And then, <laughs> and then the next breath was, you better be nice to him. <laughs> and then I found out, you know, like you seem nice, but you get pretty thick skin and you can fire back so we've had some some pleasant exchanges that. In that i appreciate one. that but i don't know if you realize that but um your platform is um is software based on youtube and now you have a physical platform and there's definitely some weightiness to that but there is opportunity for that message to come through and so what you're obviously successful about the reason why we are all here in utah right now is that you're you're successful about creating a platform with potential and one of the things i had said to you was you know like i i I like what you're doing and i told you this today like this room needs a super dwarf (laughs) and so i sent you one and then i said you know we need to work together i don't know how to get this thing sponsored and to get it the space that it deserves i'll provide the animal you've got the space maybe we need to help you a little bit more but You've got a gray tree frog over here. He's pretty set up. But, you know, you have some bearded dragons over there. You know, you've got a blue tongue skink. You've, there's some gecko species. 
um, a few arachnids and things. Uh, so a lot of turtles and tortoises mm-hmm. that could really use the space. And I hope anybody out there that is listening that has a business that does want to promote and advance the industry, because this is one thing I'm very conscious about, is advancing and promoting my industry, my niche, you know. And it, for me, it's not about dollars and cents, although that's what kind of makes the world go around. For me, it is about the animals. Mm-hmm. Everyone should have one of these animals. These animals are so great, you know. And you're saying everyone should experience the natural world in this way. So I hope that the, the people out there, like, I mean, I'm sorry. If I was a bearded dragon breeder that was interested in promoting, um, you know, bearded dragons and, and the experience that people can have connecting with them, knowing that you are sitting over here saying, hey, you know, I wish I just had like four really nice bearded dragon setups that these people with these businesses who are currently like pulling finances from an industry would be able to, you know, figure out like, oh my gosh, you know, if I give this back, it's not even a like, okay, you're responsible, you know, ethically to give back where you've gotten. It's not that. It's a seed planted that grows fruit for those people. That's a serious opportunity. So anybody listening to this podcast right now, I mean, if you think that I understand anything about about business and promotion of, you know, building of markets, understand that there is a very real opportunity. You can be totally selfish about it too, and it'd be super worth it to um to help Clint's reptile room be set up and give those animals the the spaces they truly deserve. Because I think that's the way that our world is going today. You know what I mean? I think people are keeping less animals. They're keeping them more responsibly. Mm -hmm. There's a bigger push for like providing the best possible environments. And there's so many ways to do that. Some people are super naturalistic. Other people build, like I saw one guy that had, um, uh, he was keeping just uh, blue belly lizards and he set them up in this like six foot enclosure and it looked like a dirt bike track. That's and because so he, cool. he always rode dirt bikes and he loves seeing blue belly lizards whenever he did it. So the blue belly lizards have like little ramps and stuff that they bask on and everything. <laughs> it was super cool. And the, the lizards are thriving. Oh, yeah. And he's given them a space that they deserve that helps him connect with the natural world through his love of motocross. You know what I mean? And so I you have that. a physical platform. Every reptile breeder out there is operating in a physical world, mm. you know, and then you have this, this technological platform through your YouTube channel where you can now connect it and you could take a physical weighty platform that they have really, I mean, I, you're open to that, right? Like if somebody wanted to sponsor well, their species. Yeah. And, Cause that, and that's the biggest thing that's kind of holding us back a little bit is, I got to wait for the, I mean, I can build stuff. That's sort of what I can afford to do. But I would, you know, I don't, but I also lack time. You know, it takes time to build stuff. And it's like, but I got to, all my finances are invested in just keeping this alive. Mm -hmm. But if we had, you know, that kind of support. Professional level. Professional level, awesome enclosures that I, you know, like I can set them up and just, feel great about yeah. you know and, and 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 show people like just give people a feeling of like you know this is what I want to do because that, that's the thing is I think a lot of us we've never really seen reptiles set up maybe the way that I even envision it in Th- my that mind that honors the animal it's exactly right, right. I, you know I, I have I have a vision with bearded dragons where they just have this 
incredible amount of space. And just, I think we would see them doing things we've never really observed before in captivity, just, just behaviors, you know, and I just, I would, I want to be able to give that to them. And, and that's where I feel like we're not there yet, but, but there are people that, that have those sorts of resources. You know, that's one of the things that, that this whole project has taught me is, you know, I, I've never like, you know, I've been a graduate student my whole adult life. I've never had the resources to give a ton of money. Like I'm happy to give of the things that I have, you know, I'm, I'm happy to give of my, my time and, and, you know, expertise and, and share our platform to push people I believe in. But I don't, I, you know, I, I don't have the financial means, but I've learned there are, there are so many people that do or, or that are so generous with what they have. I think it's more about generosity than it really is about the resources because you know, any one of us, like my breeding plans, we're going through this season's breeding plans and we're thinking about, okay, what do we need to make financially? What does the market need more of? Where are we trying to see these projects go in the future, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all kind of financially based because it's a business decision that goes down. Um, but the reason I work with reptiles has nothing to do with that. No, I, you can make so much more money in any other industry, any other time, you know? So, Really, and if I had, I mean, if you had, uh, like I was talking with Joey, you know, Muggleston, your buddy that was down here today, and he was talking about this old Superdorf he had that was all destroyed face and stuff like that, and it was an original wild-caught Superdorf. That, that, that Superdorf was my only real experience with Superdwarfs until Tinley. And, and you all said it was horrible, which made me want it really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and he said, he, you know, he's no longer with us, right, that the animal died. But I was thinking, like, oh, man, that would be cool to have. And I would very easily spend $1,500 on an animal like that if he had it, an old beat-up super dwarf and stuff. Because for me, the wild-caught stuff and the preservation of the bloodlines is, is honoring that animal. I don't ever want to take an animal out of the wild to put into my breeding programs people always talk about me going to the islands we've talked about going to the islands before and they're like yeah you should bring one home and that 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 thought doesn't interest me i have everything that i want to have and if i don't somebody else has it too mm-hmm. but once this animal's out of the wild it's never going back so what's really cool is being able to take an animal like that and not that joey's was like this but many of them are they go passed on from person to person to person which heaps on health issues and then the animal's never able to settle and i understand them very well i've acclimated many wild caught superdorf reticulated pythons and gotten to the point where you know maybe they're never going to be the same as as a captive bred baby that's grown up in your home but that they can be okay mm-hmm. again and i would love to provide that for them because they've given me so much throughout my life so if I'm going to spend 1500 bucks to honor an animal like that, that can maybe breed or make me a financial benefit or whatever, why on earth would I not sponsor a, a cage in a space like this for an animal like that Superdorf over there that would honor that animal and teach people, you know, just the, the majesty of these little dudes? And Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up to me because it's honestly... In all, like all aspects of my life, I very rarely, even it doesn't just doesn't occur to me to ask other people to do things that I feel like I could potentially do. Mm. But so often there are people who can do the things that I could potentially do so much better than I can. Right. And, and, and they this want, a master of that. they want the opportunity to serve somebody else. Like there's, there's, 
so much to be said for allowing someone else to serve you. Let and me, I just let don't me put it to you to this way. Offer it. My wife has a really hard time with asking for help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And she doesn't do that. But let me, let me put it to you in a way that I put to somebody else one time. Um, I wanted to go on a trip to Komodo Island, but I wasn't going for the dragons. The first time I went there and I saw the dragons, I saw, I met a people group. There's a village there that was in immense physical need. Their living conditions were terrible and they had nobody in their government or, or anyone around there. You know what I mean? They were, they were just oppressed and poverty stricken and everything like that. So I wanted to put together a trip and a team of people with some medical background and, you know, collect a bunch of money and stuff and bring to the kids and all that stuff. And I was trying to do it all in my own power, Mm -hmm. you know, and the local church got involved and I was kind of like, well, you know, I I don't really want it to be like about that. I, I, I want it to be, you know, cause I don't want it to be like a charity thing. I want this to be something that hurts me a little bit to give to them because they're hurting every day. And I would love to help them hold that burden, you know, and uh, the, the chairman of the board of the church said something to me that changed my outlook on asking people. Brian, you said I'm the master of, of coordinating effort and stuff. And he said this. He said, Garrett, you're young and you're ambitious and you have the ability to fly to an island and help a tribe of people. He said, I'm 60 and I'm battling cancer and all I have is money. But I want to help bear that burden too. I just can't do it physically. Why are you denying me the opportunity to help you and help those people? And he said, don't be so selfish. And it was funny because I was like, selfish, I'm not asking for help. And he's, he literally said, you're being selfish and not asking for help because you're keeping this opportunity to yourself when it could be, you know, an, an amazing opportunity for so many more people to learn to bear the burdens of others, you know. And what you're trying to do here is in an industry that has traditionally risen from this background of disposable animals, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you think back 20 years, your iguana's 15 bucks. Are you going to spend $500 setting it up? No, you're not. You'll just buy another one after it dies because you put it in a fishbowl or whatever, right? They're disposable animals. And you're kind of correcting the wrongs of so many of us. You know, I think all of us can think back to animals that we did not do justice to or bring honor to in our lives because we were young or ignorant or, you know, we wanted the animals or we didn't have enough money. We just took shortcuts where we shouldn't have. And the the animals were the ones that suffered for it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool after a lifetime of blessings from, for me specifically from the super dwarf and dwarf articulated pythons to have the opportunity to honor them in a space like this where that I don't have the time to do, but oh my God, I was, I was saying, if I could only clone myself, maybe I would do something like this, you know? And I've, I've kind of learned to live vicariously and help other people to do those things because I can't do them myself. So it's part of why I, I support Brian. Well, actually, I don't support you on Patreon anymore. Oh yeah, we were supposed to talk about that in the last podcast. Yeah, I forgot. I <laughs> but I, I was Brian's first Patreon supporter. I started sending him money on Patreon before he set up his account because <laughs> he had some technical difficulties the first month, so I just paid out mm. it to him. <laughs> and I set up at his highest level, I think, that you had put at the time. You have higher levels Then you now. had a $10,000 level after well, that. No, no, no he, this he's, was, he's heartalizing this story just a little bit. <clears throat> no, no, no. Uh, let me tell you the facts, according to Hartle. <clears throat> yeah, it's an no, incredible story. Just wait. I, I told him to set the Patreon account up. And, you know, one of the things that we've always talked about in our friendship is like, I, I love your work-life balance. Mm-hmm. I love that you found a way to just, 
love what you do and make a living off of that. And you're not good enough at it. So let me give you some money so you can keep doing it. <laughs> you need to set up a Patreon account because I think other people feel this way as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my heartalized summary of the story. But, but anyways, I, you know, um, but that was the the intention, and yeah, I I did pull my support from you recently, which is he's finally gotten good enough. Years. He's good enough. Yeah, yeah. I found somebody else more deserving. Yeah, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so I've officially canceled my you know long running first ever Patreon supporter of Brian Cusco, and uh, and given the support instead to Hillary Cusco, who is now starting a podcast, which by the way, my children really enjoy. And they're getting a benefit out of that. And I want to see her keep doing that. He's fine. You like you said, he's good. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't need that anymore. You know. <laughs> but but that's but that was a cool concept that the guy taught me. Like oh, let other one. people help you because you become like a part of their lives, an extension of their sphere of influence. It's one of the things I think that we often don't realize. And we, we have a very weird attitude about it, that serving others is really one of the greatest sources of joy that you can have in your life. Yet often when we get an opportunity to serve other people, we're like, oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> so and then after, but after you're done, no one's ever been like, I can't believe I spent my time serving that person. That was the most worthwhile thing I could have done. Mm. And, and it is so easy. And I, you know, I, I think we feel like we're inconveniencing other people when we let them serve us. But it's like, really, we are, we're sort of serving them in the, in by providing them opportunities to serve. Yeah. And and we all, you know, we all do so much better when we work together instead of acting like islands. And you know, we we talk a lot about big egos and stuff on this episode, but the reason why it's hard is because of our egos. And Absolutely. you know, there's one thing I I like I might be cocky and arrogant and stuff like that, but honestly, I in do an not endearing have a, way. Well, maybe to some. <laughs> to some. Yeah, not Brian. But. But but I I do not I I feel like I do not have a big ego you know what I mean yeah. that I can I am very comfortable in my weaknesses and mm. I realize that some of my greatest strengths or the, the the most powerful moments in my life happen because of my weaknesses and allowing like you said you know I've, I've got this great plan we're gonna make this big space and it's gonna be this big business financial success oh guess what COVID nineteen ha ha right what a, what a horrifying you know, moment of exposure and weakness. And you did it publicly in front of everybody on your platform. Mm-hmm. And instead of being ridiculed or, you know, failing, how, how much more happened because the community stood behind you been absolutely than what incredible. you could have possibly done if you had opened those doors and done it all on yourself. Mm-hmm. But we feel like we have to do it on ourselves because of our ego. And so it's egotistical not to be able to accept help you know i accept help all the time you say i'm a master of it every time i do that everywhere i'm able to do that it's because of weakness Mm -hmm. so if i'm a master of accepting help it's because i need a lot of it and i realize that i meant when i was saying master of it i meant you were a master of lining up people who need help with the people who are able to oh well i'm good at that because i've experienced it myself so many times (laughs) you know but and and i am somebody that loves to help other people and i know a lot of other people who love to help other Mm. people you know, it's like you said, you, you said you had a little bit of a perception shift of me, you know, we're all joking oh, around and majorly. stuff herping. And then I said, no, my greatest goal, like I, I will, I'll work in a box factory. I don't have to be a reptile breeder. I just want to be a good husband and dad. Yes. And actually one of my greatest fears is that I work too hard with the reptiles. 
you know what I mean? And, and people on YouTube and all those other things. And again, you know, we talked about it literally on the way here, driving here from our Airbnb that I, I don't, I don't do enough to protect my wife and kids and well, their it, relationship that they need from me. It, it's one of the awkward things about what we are all doing is that there isn't a clear cut distinction between when we're working and when we're not. Hmm. And so it's very easy to work all the time. Well, and, and people, um, if you allow them to, you're, you're opening yourself up to a wide and very general audience who has all kinds of different views of things. Mm-hmm. And in this day and age, people, um, I think there's a greater sense of entitlement among people and they're entitled to your time because Walmart <laughs> will call them back on Saturday night. You know what I mean? All these kinds of things. Or, or, the, or this concept of, hey, I'm a paying customer, so you owe me something because I'm buying this off of you. They get very upset if they don't get an, an immediate response at, a, at an awkward hour or, you know what I mean, or you don't, they feel like you didn't give them the time of day or what they deserved and what they had, and they were going to give you money for that, so they're going to take it back. And my response to those people is, you can't buy this, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, no, I mean, I, you have to say that. Constantly like, working. You know? I feel like I'm constantly always working. But the great thing is that I've learned at this point to enjoy my work. I've been blessed to be able to enjoy my work. And so as much as I am constantly working, as as we're saying, I, it doesn't feel like it yeah, and ever that, anymore. And that that's where we're really blessed, is I think we're all getting to do something that we enjoy so much that it it doesn't always feel like work. There are probably moments when it does. I mean, not everything we do is enjoyable. Sure, but, short moments. But But, you know... We feel very blessed to be able to do this. But at the same time, like I, I, in some ways I really, like I look at somebody who's working as a cashier, you know, and there would be no point after you walk away for the day when you're like, mm, maybe I better ring up a few more while I'm at home just to get ahead. Like, no, you just leave that there. It's over. You can completely compartmentalize it and you go, Focus entirely on your family or whatever you want to do, and I, you know, I think I think it's more of a mindset for us that we have to decide. Okay, after this time or from for this for the next hour, I'm shutting all that out, and I'm just gonna be here in this moment. That's, yeah, that's really hard for me to do. It's mm-hmm. it's become one of the most easy things for me to do in my life currently is to be able to, and because <laughs> opposite, yeah, well, well, <laughs> ra- raising kids is work, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it takes work, it oh, takes it's effort, major work. But it's at the same time, it's one of the most enjoyable things that I've ever done with my life. So it's that's how I feel about everything now that I do. Is like this takes work. It's work, but I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can tell that about you, like like that 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 you know permeates everything that you do. Yeah. Hopefully, I can keep it up. <laughs> I just have to figure out how to do it. You know, like that's my wife's greatest criticism of me is that it's hard to, I, you know, my business is very much, and you know, you guys is too. It, it's very much in the realm of like ideas and creativity and inspiration. And it's not so much like, oh, I got to answer this phone call, but it's hard for me to mentally shut that off mm-hmm. because when inspiration comes, you got to take advantage of it. At least that's how I feel. Yeah, no, you you're know? right. And so my, my wife's greatest criticism of me is like, even when you're with us, you're not really here anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a difficult thing to, to hear, yeah. especially oh, yeah. for somebody with my priorities. Like, you know, I say all the time, like, you know, I don't know if the, the 
house burns down, all the snakes are dead or whatever, I'll be fine. You know, I will survive that and move on and that would be sad and, and whatever. But if the house burns down and my kids are inside and they die, I may never recover. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's absolutely is my priority. So it's, that's been, that's been a, a tough one for me. That's a tough one for So I do enjoy hanging out with guys like, cause you're married. You got three little kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Brian, you're married. You got three little kids. We actually have very similar um, lineups. Like my oldest kid's seven. My little kid's about to be five. Yeah. Uh, I've got a baby as well. Well, she's two years is two months, but and I'm, and just, we've, we've also I'm just like a couple of years ahead. Plus the one, you we know, we just I mean? had our nine year anniversary with our, so it's, I mean, yeah. It's crazy similarities on that front, <laughs> yep. for sure. Yeah, you just had your nine-year anniversary too. Uh, uh, next month. Oh, sorry, next about to month. have. We're about to yeah. have, and then yeah, my my son's turned seven at the end of this month, and then uh, my daughter's five next month, and then uh, there you go. And we had our ten-year anniversaries. Our eleven will be in December, and then I've got nine, eight, six. Too. Yeah, so you're, you're like just a couple years. Just ahead. a couple mm-hmm. years plus that extra kid. Like, oh, by the way, the fourth one will kick your butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Stop at three. Nine eight six. Well, you know your your fourth is a little bit of an oddball too because you had a good gap in there. Yeah. To for and we have the same sort of a gap Between already with the late youngest. And, and it is. It is, is she f- kicking your butt, the baby? I think she would have kicked our butt even worse if we didn't just do a puppy. Mm. Honestly, I've never done a puppy before. I've never really had a dog since I was about three, four years old. And uh, we were given this puppy. And man, you know, while while I was dealing with that puppy, like getting up with it several times a night, I'm like, mm, I think, you know, Leisha was pregnant most of this time. And I'm like, I think we're going to be fine. I think this <laughs> the is, dog was a placeholder yeah, of your parent, parenting just abilities. Just bad. Like, this is... This <laughs> and is, we didn't have that. We got used to like, hey, because our oldest son was like, he could buckle his car seat. He could put all his clothes on. He could wipe his own butt. And yeah. then it's like, little one, here you go. You can put a diaper on a baby. Not It doesn't just go wherever in the house. <laughs> and, and the other thing is like, I've never, with my kid, stood outside, five degree weather, waiting for him to poop. <laughs> not once has that ever happened you know and so so like like that's not to say that the dog is harder than a newborn but it was like it was like i got transitioned back into what it's like having newborns after having four plus years yeah off yeah of of newborn you know we all of our kids are out of diapers and stuff and then it's like and we're back in you hear that ashley we need the- more dogs <laughs> and uh and so you know i wonder i wonder if part of it too is like not even that it's the fourth necessarily, just that it's like you transitioned out of that stage of your life and then it's like now I'm back into the newborns, plus I've also got older kids to be dealing with. So like, you know, before when you were doing little kids, you were just doing little kids. Now you're doing little kids and older kids at the same time. And uh, an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, in our, in our, we do a video where I rank... Children, they get the lowest score we've ever given anything. One of my favorite, one of my favorite videos you put on. Make me honest, they're horrible pets. If that was the way they were just going to be, and that was all about just having a pet, like I wouldn't recommend them to anybody. But there's nothing, (laughs) there's nothing more meaningful you can do with your life. Yeah, Yeah. the the love of your own children is a, yeah, it's the most powerful thing I've ever felt in my life. That's Mm. for sure. Incredible. Well, gentlemen, we've. uh, We've gone past our usual amount of time, which is fine, which is great. We we could honestly probably keep going all night on to different tangents, but I mean, we've oh, yeah. already. Been I never even got to my days. second movie question. That's right. <laughs> we're gonna 
We're going to leave them hanging until the next one. Maybe uh, ne- next time we come back. Next time we come back to Clint's Reptiles with your fully sponsored cages all over the place. So, that would be so incredible. And I, yeah. I appreciate you for bringing that up now. And to, to me, like it's something I hadn't even thought about. Yeah. It was like something I'd hoped for. Because, you know, like Zen Habitats has been really great. And they've sent us some enclosures, you know, really before we even had the room. I didn't even have a chance to get them set up. Like I built the enclosures and just left them at our old set. But it's like now I have a place for them. And it's like I appreciate them so much. And, it, you know, it's just like if somebody would just dump these enclosures in my lap, like this place, I feel like this place would take shape so fast. Mm. And yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a, it was a no brainer to me when you walk in. You're like, oh my God, sponsorship opportunity everywhere, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I do it out of like a way like this was really fun and I want to be a part of it. But at the same time, I can see the, I mean, you, you have a huge platform, right? And, and people very much respect you, but you don't sell anything. Nope. You know what I mean? We have shirts. So, so yeah, <laughs> we have shirts. <laughs> so, um, I mean, the opportunity is there for, you know, logically, if someone's like, hey, what's the best pet reptile? And they, through one of your videos, have decided it's such and such a species. The next question is, where do I get mine? Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the answer is right there in the video because the cage is sponsored by somebody or set up or whatever. You have a good marketing opportunity. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I think it's you being able to use your platform to bless a company who gets it enough to give that space to honor a reptile that brings them the joy that it does in their life. It's a no-brainer. That's what you call a win-win oh, situation. That's, that's the perfect scenario. Yeah. That's, that's your job after we leave Hartle. You, we already you, talked about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. good. I started on this podcast. Did you notice? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go, guys. guys. <laughs> this is a very popular podcast. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I like Maybe it. Maybe all the right people <laughs> watch it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Both of them. Well, Clint, we um, <laughs> we'll bring a few more over. Uh, oh, okay. We're looking forward to your continued success, man. The, the things you, I, I feel like I'm going to become a broken record here, but the things you're doing are are great, and we're looking forward to them becoming greater and and making the world a better place for reptiles and people at the same time. Well, thank you so much, and I really appreciate you guys not only having me on this podcast, but just being here, like. I don't, you know, I don't think any of the three of us really had that many great ambitions for making videos during this time. It's just like we just wanted to be together and get to know each other, and and that that's what I've enjoyed. Two things mainly: just getting to hang out, and it, for me, it was like super last minute. You know, definitely just jumping in and third wheeling along on your guys' little adventure there with Dave Kaufman and Brian Cusco and all that. So that's been the big thing is just getting to hang out with you and get to know you. Like I said, that climbing the mountain and all that stuff, that that was the highlight of my experience. Well, I was the, third the, wheeling because Dave invited me and I was third wheeling. I was like, oh, well, how I'm are we going to run this car? I'm, we need a hurdle. <laughs> like, I'm a fourth. <laughs> I'm just the driver. <laughs> Not even a third wheel. <laughs> But uh, no, the the second thing that has become really evident to me has been just an amazing, amazing opportunity for me this weekend is to listen to Brian Cusco fanboy over you for an hour and 51 minutes. <laughs> that is great. I've never quite seen him brown nose so hard and so heavy. I'm not brown nosing, bro. I'm being honest. <laughs> well, um, yeah, maybe we need to drink less on this podcast because you're kind of a mean drunk, but you've been so nice to Clint this whole time. No, it's like, I'm, just, I'm just trying to help humble you. I'm trying to do 
call your employee's job a humble the hurdle. It's, that's all I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. I'm trying to bring you a little perspective in reality. Wow, that's a good time. That's you guys good are time. a good pair. I like this. I'm glad you do this. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, no, it's been, it's been fun. We'll definitely come back. We'll do this one again. I, I, I hope you guys come back all the time. Yeah, we will. Very cool. We'll see you guys here next time. Clint's Reptile Room.